Next slide, please. Hello and welcome to this podcast, which takes you on a journey into management consulting. My name is Tobias Stahl. I'm a manager at the consulting firm Strategy Engineers, and I'm very happy that you dialed in for this second episode that we are recording. First of all, of course, thanks to everybody who has been listening to the first episode and who liked that. We received actually quite a bit of feedback, which is um, always a good feeling if you start something new. But more importantly, so welcome to everybody who is joining in for this second episode. I want to talk today about the, the very essential question, which is why do people become management consultants? So what is it that people find interesting? What are they hoping for when they decide to go for a management job? And with that, I'm actually again having a very interesting and um, dear colleague of mine joining me for this session today. It's um, one of our management team members. Dr. Ulrich Gudat. Um, Uli, welcome. Hi. Hi, Toby. How are you? Um, I'm very good, actually. I'm happy that you have the time to, to join me in this one. Both of us have been in a multitude of job interviews, and I think we have, of course, our own background as well, but we know what young people, young professionals, but also experienced professionals are looking for when they enter the management consulting career track. Um, so why don't we go ahead and you give a very brief introduction and then we go right into the topic. Yeah, well, in my, in my personal case, it's been 20 years actually ago when I took the decision to enter uh, business consulting and management consulting. And it was not a hard decision because it's uh, until now, it's a challenging and um, very versatile um, way to spend your time with um, and um, so I have never regretted to enter this industry um, and it's very rewarding um, day after day and in the, I've been working in industry before I'm an electronics engineer I studied in Karlsruhe Southampton as well in Paris I did a PhD in, in, in uh, computer science uh, on telematic systems for automotive applications uh, and with that I actually added an MBA and went into business consulting on the OEM side uh, for automotive environments, but also high-tech companies uh, for over 20 years now. That sounds very, very interesting. And that, of course, a lot different to my story, but we're going to come to that in more detail later. Um, first, I want to put something out there for everybody listening, because if I summarize what I learned, why people go into management consulting, That is largely because of three points, at least from what I can, can aggregate based on the interviews that I've had. The first thing that people mention is, I want to have a steep learning curve. The second thing is, they say, I want to have an impact. I want to do something that really matters. And the third thing then is something like, I want to get to know many different companies. I want to see different challenges, um, probably also in different countries, etc. Um, the thing is, if I then go and probe for what is behind these three statements, which you will easily find on the internet, um, there's actually some consultants or applicants who struggle to come up with a genuine explanation why they feel so, whereas others have really a great story on, on why they think this is important to them. So if we reflect that, Uli, why did you really go into management consulting? What was in it for you? Well, 
at the time when you take that decision, probably you're not overlooking all the aspects, are you? I mean, um, it's a it's a phase in your life where you're probably leaving university, where you have uh, gathered your first professional experience when you're thinking about entering business consulting. In my case, um, I do had the impression that there is a chance of working actually with fabulous and, and great clients. Um, interesting companies, um, companies that you don't easily enter and uh, get in touch with and, and getting to work with. Uh, and those companies usually have challenging topics because it, it obviously they are complex enough so that they are willing to pay seven digit uh, fees uh, for, well, not much more than just your brain and your brain work uh, contributing to uh, solving their challenges. So um, also those companies that I enjoyed most were the ones which I've already been very good in their business. And they were seeking for ways to get even better. So, and this was, has always been also much more uh, fun and, and rewarding than actually trying to recover uh, companies who are in bad shape. Yeah. So that's the first point. The second one actually is to work with great colleagues, to work in a great team. And um, because we, we are all spending a lot uh, of time with work, um, and uh, so you better make sure that you have a good environment that is actually carrying you and that you can actually influence and you can you can also design and, and create over time. So, and I've always enjoyed to work with people who have not the linear uh, university type of CVs. So, for example, one of my favorite colleagues was head of an automotive paint shop before he joined consulting. <laughs> and he actually mm -hmm. has never seen a university from inside. So he's on a completely different track than, uh, than myself. And I think that's also a good, um, uh, a good way of enriching your professional life to, to work in these environments and to work closely with, with colleagues with, with so diverse uh, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, um, unfiltered feedback by clients. I think that's a very, very important thing. Uh, clients can always judge your results by paying or not paying actually for the service. And we are in a service industry. This is a service industry. So there's no politics of keeping people on the board or keeping people in the management team uh, because it's cheaper than to part. Um, as a consulting, you're providing your service. And if the client likes it, you get immediate feedback on a daily mm -hmm. basis, on a weekly basis, and ultimately by invoice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also like to add that it's um, self-determination because in my personally, it's always been very important to have a to have a working environment where I can actually uh, yeah, self-determine my course. And um, that's something that consulting is very, very useful and, and, and that you find in consulting. And uh, yeah, well, you can tell me if you find any other environment where that's actually the case. But uh, I've, I've met a lot of board members in my career. And um, I would say the freedom to actually choose freely, that's something which we overestimate. And uh, mm -hmm. working as a mm -hmm. consultant is something where self-determination is there all the time. Well, these are very actually the four points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's very, very interesting. Yeah, so that's my case. But Toby, what, what about you? <laughs> um, I think for me, it is slightly different, but also probably because I have 
again, a, gif, a different track record than you have. Um, if I look back at the time when I had to make that decision, I would fully agree with your point that I was not fully aware of why I would go into consulting. But there was this general interest and the general spark for changing things for the better. And um, if I look back today, I think that is largely related to working with people, both internally and externally, um, as you just mentioned. But what I like most about this consulting job is that you have a new challenge, you have a new project, and it is the most rewarding feeling when structure and vision emerge from this uncertainty that you begin with. And um, even better, though, when you achieve something like something that we internally refer to as this spark of inspiration, when you really see that change is happening with the client, not because you have power over people, because you're working with their bosses, etc., but because they see the, the benefit and they see how this is actually making their work and their life better. And they don't go back to the old ways of working once you leave the project. I think that is the, the key motivator for me. And um, there's one thing that I also knew, um, and that is for me, like I'm quite good at wrapping my head around new topics. And that is something that I have to do constantly in consulting because every new proposal, every new project is something new. Um, we're going to have a project kickoff later on today. And I'm already excited just because I don't know much about what we're going to do. Um, I have a plan for what we try to do, but apparently the reality is always something different. And getting up to speed in a very short period of time and getting to know new topics, um, that is something that really does it for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can, I, I can also yeah. uh, align very much to your second point, because I think it's very rewarding. If you show up three years after the project and you still see the results and they're actually there and they're yeah. being worked on and you just you just didn't just leave a pile of paper, but you left results that the client is actually obviously able to work with on his own. Uh, yeah, that's that's the ultimate reward. Yeah. I think that's the pile of paper is a very good example because that's one of the key critiques that consultancies um, have to deal with. You are creating something which will never make any impact. Um, it's just a concept that goes into some drawer somewhere and um, some manager can show that he or she has been working on something, period. It's actually not the case because what we do is in most cases way too expensive to just um, let, it, let it rest somewhere and not put it to action um, from a... A client perspective. Yeah, don't I don't let, let let fool ourselves. Yeah. I mean, there are projects out there which are sort of determine or just out there to confirm a pre predefined uh, result, right? So, but self determination also means to avoid those contracts. And and uh, if you are go, going in for the long race of consulting, you better go after those type of of assignments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true as well. And I think you, you pretty quickly get that sense of I'm doing something new or is it just something, yeah, as you said, to confirm what should be confirmed by someone externally because the person in charge cannot confirm it for him or herself. Yeah, fair enough. But I think it's it's important to mention that we try to avoid these projects. <laughs> Uli, I want to go into the top three points that we had in the beginning and I want to start with this steep learning curve and discuss that 
a little bit more um, because from what we said and what we uh, experiences yes in the beginning every new project is a challenge um, and even in the proposal you have to be quick in getting to know a topic which hopefully you have some experience in but you might not be the expert on that topic but you have to present something um, that is in a way meaningful to a client leading to the fact that he will order you to do that for him yeah? and I think the the key question is what do especially young candidates then actually do when they are on a project does that really feel like that steep learning curve what do you think I think there's there's obviously the the groundwork that has to be done right so we need to go into into analysis we need to put facts to the discussions and that's that's the job that the consultant take if we take it properly we do guide our client to run the analysis based on our guidance um, so we don't do, have to run all the numbers on our own but we need to to put facts to the discussion yeah so that's that's one task so that goes into data analysis research interviews um, and that's not probably not that different from the work that has been used or that, that the young colleagues and the young consultants are being used to from university and from their scientific backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's, that's, that's one. And that certainly helps with a steep learning curve because it's probably your experience as well. I would guess to be that after you've, you've looked for at least two maximum three times at the same topic, you, you can actually, you have a high level of repetition and you do have a, a level of proficiency already arri arriving at a level of proficiency that you wouldn't have imagined before. So that goes very, very quickly. Um, yeah. But but again, that's uh, preaching uh, if you have to go through that on your own. But, but two times one topic is actually already putting you on the track of being an expert on that one. And again, in terms of your personal career, it's always good to have some anchor point of that and you're free to choose whether that's going to be the one or you're going to take the next one because mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. those opportunities are out there in consulting because we are, as you said before we're exposed to so many different contexts um, in, in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. yeah and I think that transitions nicely to the fact that the steep learning curve is one thing but you actually pretty quickly make it to a point where you have some certain level of experience and knowledge because you have a high focus on that during the, let's say, three months or half a year project period. And with that, the client will actually start to not order you because you have a very good capability of being quick at data analysis and finding interesting bits and pieces and doing excellent research. But you also then contract because of your experiences and knowledge in a certain domain. And that becomes even more evident than if you think of, in our case, strategy engineers as a consultancy, where we say we have a focus on mobility and that based on the automotive industry. And of course, everybody in our company has a rich knowledge of this industry that we operate in. And of course, we have been with multiple clients. And of course, that is what other clients want to benefit from because they want to get the the more broad view now what i think what comes to my mind when i think of my steep learning curve as well that is the 
the interaction and communication with high profile people. So like C-level, but also then the, the heads of departments, etc. You don't always have to go all the way up uh, through the organizational chart to find people who are really, well, they, they are powerful. They have to take decisions. They have a schedule which is uh, three or four times overbooked. And every minute that you get with them is from their perspective, a waste of time if you do not have something interesting and something worth deciding on um, to make it very black and white. And I think that was for me one of the most interesting pieces because you have to get your facts straight and you have to understand how to package all your research, all the interviews that you have conducted, everything that you have been doing in order to come to a conclusion. Um, you have to find a way to communicate that in a very short period of time and in a very meaningful way. And that's why I'm always getting triggered when someone is referring to this um, kind of PowerPoint, you're just creating slides, etc. thing. Because in the end, I think PowerPoint, yeah, okay, well, <laughs> it's a program. And it's uh, luckily one that almost every client is using. So it's actually an easy format. But for me, it's actually only a means of communication and leaving something on the table that the person can go through again in order to reflect what I've been telling them. And um, I think that is, yeah, it's, it's actually the first step of creating change, but that change is always started with this communication, which is to me the, maybe the core aspect of consulting work. Mm -hmm. I agree. And uh, also the, your constant exposure to clients, to the client every day, uh, whether it's per video uh, or it's, uh, it's 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 on site also helps you build um your capabilities in reading um responses uh, in reading emotions uh, and that's also something that you can take away whether you want to stay in consulting or you want to head uh, another way after after consulting yeah? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when i work with clients i have found that there's usually th at least three levels, actually, that you also have to distinguish. You, you talked about how, how to work with high profile and C-level uh, clients, and that's one of the levels, I would say. Um, and usually that's the level that is contracting you in the first place, right? Um, but the easiest to start with working when you work on change is the working level. So this, uh, the workforce, whether it's engineers development engineers or it's it's a production environment that's mostly the easiest to start with uh, and then suddenly uh, the top level becomes aware that change is actually uh, not stopping somewhere halfway but he's also in the middle of having to change and that's the second uh, so resistance so to speak that you're facing and you have to cope with them all you have to cope with convincing the workforce but also convincing the sea level and then the third level actually comes, and that's the hardest. That's the middle management, um, because there's m the most to lose in in terms of change. And so you have to cope with all three levels, and you have to cope with them differently in order to be successful in in changing your client's business, actually, and uh, your client's operation. Yeah, yeah, that's a very fair point, actually. Yeah, and we realize in the project, as you said, if you do not get the the buy-in from the work level. And the support your project will have a very very hard time in getting getting anywhere yeah in the in the pre-discussion to this podcast Uli, you mentioned one thing that i want to get back to and that is uh, you said you learn to see 
Let's talk a little bit about that one in terms of the learning curve. What is behind that for you? Yeah, I mean, you're if if you're exposed to a to a to your client and you're obviously new uh, to their challenges because you're you're the late the last to to join the party, so to speak. Yeah, so you have the clearest perspective, the clearest view on their challenges and their problems, and that's the basic the, the core benefit of what, what you bring to the table in the first place. But at the same time, again, after a couple of years in consulting, your vision is so sharp and, and, and you have built your personal beliefs and recipes that don't go away anymore. So no matter which operation you look into in the future, whether again as a consultant or in, in responsibility for that company, um, you do have a very clear view where you have to look at. And you can also compare, for example, the books yeah, profit and loss statements, and you can compare that with your impression on the operation. And you can directly relate. And you have to only, after a couple of years, you can only look at one side and you already know what the other side looks like without even having a look at. Yeah? So if you walk mm -hmm. a factory, if you walk an R&D department, well, it's a little harder there, but if you, if, yeah, if you talk to a sales operation, you'll probably be very good in also judging what the books will probably look like. And, and you can correlate that very good. So your your view and, and your understanding of the books, which probably comes from your business school, becomes added or becomes broader because you can correlate that with, with the real life. And that's a great benefit that you gain because you have been exposed and worked in a consulting environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I fully agree. Yeah, yeah. Especially this getting a feeling um, and that feeling turns into, as you said, beliefs and recipes. That is, again, this, yeah, I think, perfect example for the steep, steep learning curve in consulting. Yeah, and, and, try, and, and yeah. try this next time you walk mm -hmm. into some manufacturing site, whether it's all, uh, automobiles, uh, motorcycles, aircraft, computers. If you don't see after 30 seconds latest, whether they're behind or in front of the schedule, of the day you don't you are not looking at a good operation mm -hmm. that's for mm -hmm. example one of my personal recipes yeah? um, which came over time yeah? yeah i think the last one for the for the learning curve that i want to talk about is the the personal development like thinking of yourself as a teacher um what would you say in that regard the people development aspect Yeah, um, I mean, you, you you probably don't have a family yet, I would guess. So, uh, but but uh, you can actually learn that also at home. Sometimes it's better to have the ones you care for make their own experience, um, opposed to trying to um, prevent them from making that bad experience, especially. Um, so, and that's the same like working as a consultant with your client. I think it's also part of the job to constantly think about how can I make and build in context where the client makes the experience himself because it sticks so much better than if I'm just um, trying to convince him, whether by slides or by talking to him um, or by example. Yeah. So this is also being a consultant is also in, uh, being a teacher. So you'll probably be a good consultant If you're interested in, like you said, Toby, working with people in the first place and see them grow uh, over time, um, 
along the challenges that you also design and, and, and set them to go through. That's a great perspective. Absolutely. Because we're going to have an episode on the, the intercompany personal development, all the trainings, etc. that we have inside strategy engineers. But this growing the client alongside the project, that's actually a very interesting um, perspective. And that is a great transition, I think, to the, the second point, which we had in the beginning, which is having an impact. Um, because that is what young people are looking for. And what also I was looking for, uh, I remember that quite vividly, feeling that if I want to enter a job, I want to do something that in the best case changes things and that has a positive impact after all. And I don't want to sit by my desk just doing something, well, because I'm doing it and I get paid for it. And I think there is two major perspectives to this impact. And you just described the first one, which is the the external impact that you have with the client. And of course, there's always then an internal impact as well. But if we start with the external impact, I think the, first of all, the company that is contracting you, um, that is paying quite a lot of money, as we said. And so you better be good. I think that is the very baseline. And that's the starting point to actually have an impact. Um, because what we want to do is, as we discussed already, we want to enable clients to take decisions that they are convinced of that this is the right thing to do and i think that is a that is probably the biggest impact that you can directly relate to in any project that we have if you have a client who is unable to take a decision or who needs a baseline to take a decision on and you provide that and then this decision can be taken that's a very simple example but it's it's very complex and there is many of those decisions because it's not only the the final big decision we enter this market with this specific product etc or we um, put up a new plant somewhere but it is so many small decisions on the way getting there which are ultimately more important when you have that point of um, convincing the three different levels in order to enable change and you have to make sure that everybody on every level is capable to take that decision that makes it a success ultimately um and what I always hear then, if we are on the on the critique side again of consulting, many people say again that there might be concepts which never make it into action and that you develop something and the decision, you prepare a decision which is then taken, but there is no real implementation following on that. And I think one issue is that sometimes the client decides to do the implementation themselves and thereby reducing the the speed of transformation because in the end people have their daily business and we as a consultancy we only have that project in the moment where we work on that so i think the the key thing is that i want to share we would be happy to support that implementation in order to secure that well the the success that we prepare by preparing a good decision um because otherwise you might lose the, the impact or you might lose at least the, the speed towards the, having the impact. And that is, I think, something very, very interesting from a consulting perspective, again, that to us, the job is actually not finished with handing in your final presentation, but you still think about what happens for the client. And it doesn't feel very good if you know that nothing will happen based on what you have prepared. So your objective is always to, yeah, to make the change. 
and um, that you actually really get it get it across. Um, yeah, I think that is the the impact thing. What would you add to the the impact discussion on the external side? I, I think it's it's again to the point um, putting the client or the own team on the client side in front of the client leadership team is is key because uh, then the client leadership team can evaluate uh, how good the chances are that the his, his or her own team actually implements successfully and um because that's something if, if you have a good leadership in front of you it probably lives in the future like two to five years out and it discusses in the future and therefore it underestimates uh, the implementation efforts that 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 come with that future picture that they have in mind and so and the consultant should be there to um to help build the picture of what is possible in in, in its own power on the client side to implement and if that's not sufficient, which usually is not sufficient, as you say, Toby, I totally agree, then there should be help. And I think it's also important that this help must not always come from us. It may also come from a third party. You know? Because mm -hmm. if you're, again, mm -hmm. if you're in for a long run, you help your client to find the best source of support. And it must not always be yourself. Um, but to build that network, that's also a, a very important contribution um, and, again, gives a lot of facets and a lot of variety into the job of, of being a consultant. What we didn't mention yet with the, the impact and with the client is, of course, I think the, the simple tool for us. We are working on projects which are changing where companies are going. So, as you said, you want to work with those companies trying to get better and that implies that they're already very good. And I think that is always super interesting. If you, you know all these topics and it's future related and you help find a company, um, find their way to, to go to a future that is successful for them. And be that in the area of autonomous driving, etc. But also then electrification, understanding how the world is changing around them and carving out a positive vision for them and supporting them with strategic advice in order to to find a successful path for them as a company i think that is really really in itself um, rewarding because there is such an impact because you know in the best case this is changing the future and not fixing an old problem um, so that is i think the point of having an impact which we should not forget after all um, but there is one perspective that I want to talk about, and that's the the internal impact that you have, because I was underestimating that in the beginning of my career. And that is related to leading teams, of course, but also developing new colleagues. And I find that really exciting. So seeing them getting on board, and we're going to talk about the, the onboarding and how it feels to go into consulting with uh, one of our new colleagues as well in a different episode. But I think the getting them up to speed and seeing someone really develop this kind of consulting mindset and being able to more and more independently work on assignments, that is one very great perspective. And that, of course, goes along with building the company. And you know that more than I do as a management team member, that this is a very, very dynamic thing in itself. So the, the consulting company in itself is not not static right 
Yeah, and it's uh, it's not an invest investment intensive business, right? So you're free to choose, you're free to build your competencies um, by hiring the the experts. You're free to build your global footprint. I mean, we profit as strategy engineers a lot from our global footprint because you just talked about autonomous driving. Uh, you, you talked about electrification. I personally work a lot in the battery environment at the for the time being. So uh, global footprint helps for for working in these environments because it's not always Europe, it's not always China who's on the forefront of that. It may be a different place in the world. And yeah. and and we are out there. So so that helps. And the expert for that internally, as we are talking about internal factors here, is is only just one phone call away. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> And I think you're, I'm, I'm laughing because your transition is actually quite on point regarding this global footprint that we have, because that leads straight to the third and last point that people refer to when they talk about their objectives for why they want to become management consultants. And that is this getting to know many different companies and apparently many different companies will be scattered around the world. And um, that is very exciting in itself. Um, so to go to travel, I think COVID has been putting a very big dip in this motivation for many of us. So we can see that people are super excited to go on, on business travels again, to see different um, companies in different countries. Um, but I think the, the reality is also, and we must be open about that. It can be the case that you're actually staying for quite a long time with a given client. So not, it's not like you have client hopping by default every couple of weeks, a new client and a new assignment. And I actually found that quite interesting that if you stay longer with a client, you develop an entirely new perspective on that client because many things, especially on the working level, you will only learn after spending like half a year, nine months with that client. Whereas in the first weeks, you are so consumed by what the actual task is that you do not have the capacity to look out for those signs and habits and um, the culture of that client in the, in the first place. You are just doing your projects, uh, to put it simple. And I think there is also quite a value in then staying longer with a given company and then transitioning to another company. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I mean, it's no pain, no gain, right? Um, I, I personally uh, was in a project where we worked for one of the largest software companies in the world, and we improved software development performance with 16,000 software developers worldwide. And um, yes, there have been times where it was not very exciting, but if you want to move the needle on, on that, um, you have to stay in there for quite some time. The result was saving 200 million euros, but that was not the main purpose. The main purpose was that software has been shipped after our project in six months and no longer in 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the adoption, so customers who actually buy that software is so much larger. So guess what? This project was five years long. And mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that's one of the longest that I did. But we would not have delivered those results if we're trying to build a concept for a few weeks or a few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, it doesn't mean that there is one person assigned to that project throughout the entire project duration. Um, but still, of course, if you are a key person in that project, the client will most likely want you to stay on board of that project in order to secure seamless uh, performance, right? Right. 
Good. With that, um, I think we have two more points here on the, the getting to know many different companies. Um, the one is that, of course, you, you get to learn a lot about yourself and your capabilities when you see and work with different people. That is, I think that's inherent in the task and you're always, it's not like direct comparing, but you, you see how you do things and you see how other people do things. And I think the, this learning perspective, not in terms of the learning curve that we discussed beforehand, but this personal development perspective, that is really helpful. And, um, if we look at many of our ex colleagues who have been moving on, you can actually see that several of them have been venturing into their, their own businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can actually study uh, while you're walking through your project and working on your project. You can actually study the do's and don'ts of businesses, and um, you you will there will be a time where you can memorize on that and and and, and you get back to that. Um, and probably it makes sense to understand the mechanics of businesses um, not only from books and universities, but and that's exactly what consulting can offer. Yeah. And I think the that that leads to one critical reflection also, um, because saying it is ex-colleagues who have been venturing into their own businesses. And if you are critical in that regard, you would say that we have been pointing out that we prepare decisions by other people and we prepare decisions for other companies. So it is very, very important to stay humble in that regard because in most cases, we are not taking a big risk, but it's actually the client taking the risk when they say they want to go for that. And that we should not forget. So I have the, the highest respect really for those leaders and team members who, who actually say, yes, we're going to go for that. Um, you have convinced me, but it's not really convincing, but I believe that this, this is what we should do. And not because it is just, it has been an expensive project or whatever, but because we know that these people really have an impact in the long run and this will change how they do things. I think that is to me one one thing that we need to very, very clearly state. Um, it's really it's really remarkable what people in management positions, but also then team leaders, et cetera, what they decide and then go for. And I have the highest respect for that. Yeah, so in all, actually, um, consulting is able to fulfill the three classic expectations that we entered the discussion with, right, Toby? I would fully agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you ask me, it's at least one more, um, so to speak, the hidden agenda of all that would could be that it's also a very good opportunity to find, um, yeah, your very professional and, and your very professional mission in life. So to extend basically university, um, even especially in these days where you're leaving university with, with bachelors and masters at, at a completely different point in time or personal age than I did back in uh, back 20 years ago. So, and perhaps it's also a good time to, no matter if you're a starter or later in the career, to actually take a consulting career to to make sure that you find your professional mission and that helps yeah that's a that's a great picture actually and that refers to the fact that we both said actually you do not have the full picture on what you want to do at the end of your studies but you have to have a feeling that 
consulting and a consultancy will help you find exactly that. Yeah. So of course, when we talk about people entering management consulting, um, we want them as a company to stay as long as possible with us. What would be your key recommendations to, to conclude this episode with? What should you do in order to have long-term fun and fulfillment in consulting? I mean, being being humble and not not taking center stage, uh, that's something that is probably important to be in for the long run and, and to really have an eye on all the clients that you meet um, and especially all the team members on the client side that you meet day in and out. Um, so from uh, from the working level uh, all the way up to the boardroom uh, to have to have to develop a good antenna for all the vibes out there and, and, and the different um, yeah, views on, on the world and, and, and on the business. Um, I would also advise to, to actually always try to go where the business is, is really, really happening. So uh, I was checking in an hotel yesterday morning and uh, the poor employees on the counter were suffering so much from their IT systems uh, that they had a long queue of people waiting to check out mm-hmm. and checking in. So I'm not sure if, if the board members of this hotel chain ever witnessed the check-in process mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I, I would bet they never did um, so my message is your client may never have been there before where the, his own work his own business is actually happening so you should be the one as a as a consultant to guide him there physically or or virtually um, and because those reality checks are really a lot of value and and by the way they are they're also fun <laughs> Yeah, probably not if you are in the queue for checking in, but uh, I see your point. Yeah, fully agree. Um, what is also coming to my mind is that you should know your task, meaning that you do not make the client's problem your your personal problem. You're committed to to solving your assignment and to living up to that and doing the best that you can, but it's not your problem after all. Yeah, and, and also be, one example. Yeah. Yes, also be always try to be very clear on that. Um, again, if you're in the long run in consulting, I do remember one initial meeting with the client who was in the construction business, and they, especially in the first meeting, we, we ask ourselves why have they called us because they are not they don't seem to be willing to change anything. I mean, willingness would be enough. You don't have to be able to change, but willingness is required, right? So mm-hmm. we actually told them, you don't only have concrete on your building site, you also have that between your ears. And we left. <laughs> okay, and, that's bold. Yeah. And and they actually, a couple of weeks later, they came back and called us up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you actually um, lead that project to a successful change? Yes. It was actually becoming a project and and, and, and that actually worked. So... But these, this initial point is also important, and it's important to select um, also the missions and, and the clients um, that, that, are, that are willing to do something. Yeah, yeah. I think the next one um, on the key advice to, to be happy as a consultant in the long run, especially from my experience now becoming a manager and getting more senior in the, in the company, that is dedicate time to develop my team members. I think that is 
Really interesting. It not only makes my project life easier because I have more capable colleagues to work with, but it's also great if I see someone moving on from consulting to a different um, profession and then getting them on the phone a couple of months later and they will say, well, it's just it has been so helpful to work with you, to work with the company and um, I'm benefiting from what we have been doing. And I think that is that is a great feeling. And I know those persons who have been supporting me in developing my professional tool set and shaping my career. And several of them are not with us anymore in the company, but they moved on as well. And I think that is, there's still very close ties to that. Um, and this has been probably just as much a helpful um, learning curve and experience as the actual project work in itself. And do we have one last one? What do you think? Is there one, one final thought? Well, stay hungry, I would say. Stay hungry for what's coming up next um, and always remain to be, uh, to be open. I mean, there's a purpose in planning, but there's also a limit to, to actually strategically planning your professional life. So uh, staying hungry is definitely a good prerequisite. I would fully agree and with that i would say we should have covered everything in that regard i'm of course happy to hear feedback and remarks on what we have been sharing on your personal interests and beliefs and hopes when entering into management consulting but i think this has been a very very comprehensive summary on what we are actually hoping for when we go for that job and then what we actually experience when we are developing as a person in that job for in your case almost two decades then um so Uli thank you very much for for joining me in this session and for sharing your insights and yeah for all of those who have been listening thank you for joining in and I'm happy to get your feedback get your remarks and questions and of course you will find me on LinkedIn Instagram but also of course where you can listen to this podcast and with that thank you for today And hear you in the next one. Cheers.